This is the 200 Churches Podcast, Episode 69. What I'm trying to communicate is that the millennial generation, in their own right, have great ideas, have great leadership, have have new thoughts and new programs and new approaches, and they, in their own right, are, are strong and capable leaders, and the leadership really needs to be shared between the generations. Thank you for listening to the 200 Churches Podcast, where we're focused on pastors of small churches, 200 churches. Every Wednesday, we release an episode that will lift your spirits, lighten your load, and let you laugh. Today, the guys are joined by Carl Vaders from NewSmallChurch.com. His name is Carl, and he is a small church pastor. Now, here are two guys who lead and pastor in a 200 church, the Dallas and Fort Worth of Ministry podcast, Jeff and Johnny. This is the 200 Churches podcast, and we appreciate you listening to us. I am Johnny Craig. I'm here with the man, the myth, the legend. Jeff Katie. Jeff, how many times have I introduced you like that now? Yeah, it's getting old. I gotta um, I gotta get some new material. I'm hardly mythical at this point. You <laughs> What are you mystical, maybe? Maybe mystical. The man, the the myst yeah, yeah. mystical legend. Ooh. Well, I'm back from my super secret pastor's retreat. Oh my by invitation only. And I didn't get an invitation. You did not get an invitation. I was they were like your co your uh, your associate there? Forget that guy. No. Well yeah but you said you didn't want to go to the fifties the fifties retreat, right? <laughs> That's a good point. It was Which, for it was for the gray the gray tops. There were a few under fifty. There oh, were a okay. few thirty somethings. Really? Maybe two. Wow. Maybe two. I mean they went up to almost sixty. Dang. Yeah. Well, did you have Some any fun? Guys. I mean, what, what was it hey, like? What'd you do? Hey, we had a great time. We had a great time. I put a little picture of the place where we stayed on Monday's Yeah, it looks like the post. Unabomber shed. You what know, are you doing, exactly. man? Exactly. <laughs> but I wasn't sure we were supposed to say that on the podcast. Well, so I said it. Since, that's what it looks like. <laughs> since you said it, that's what it looks like. That's it. Yeah, I mean, we took a bunch of four-wheelers out from that place into those woods we had a blast, but I got in trouble. At every turn, it seemed like my ability to be invited back the following year was, was constantly jeopardy. being called into question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so You're we're a troublemaker. In this, we had a Thursday morning, a Thursday evening, a Friday morning, and a Friday evening session where we all got together on the front porch of the, uni- uh, of the <laughs> cottage that we stayed in. And in, I think it was the second session. We're going on like an hour and 10, an hour and 15. Wow. And my body is just screaming to stand up. But but these guys, you know, they're all, they're into this and they're all sitting in this, you know, in this circle on these yes, chairs. They're having their powwow. And my chair was screaming as loud as my body was for me to get off of it, just to give it a break. And I had this <laughs> Diet Coke that I had brought along calling me from the refrigerator. You could hear it. I could hear it. I needed a pick me up. Yes. Yes. Come get me. And so I just stood up. I just stood up and I walked, you know, into the other room and opened the fridge and got out my Diet Coke and popped the top. Exactly. Exactly. This is going to be the, yeah, that right there. That's going to be the new sound of our 200 Churches podcast. So I popped the top. I come back and I stood in the doorway for yeah. the rest of the session. Sure. And I made some contributions. We know we were all talking and discussion and yeah. we all contributed. You're a grown man. I'm a grown man. Right to stand Heck, up I'm on a- retreat, come right? Come on. Afterwards, afterwards, I won't say that the, the initials are Dave Mayo, but I won't say who the guy was. Don't say his name. Just his initials. gave me the most grief 
<laughs> so I, I don't know. I, 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 st- I still don't understand it. I'm flummoxed. I'm, I'm a bit hurt. I'm wounded. Oh, I'm man. not sure. You if went the to invi- a retreat to heal, and instead, to, instead you came I home am wounded. scarred. Wow, I am scarred. What a tragic tale. So, yeah. So tell, tell them the worst part. Oh, Do the you- worst. Oh, the travel back. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Canceled flights. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I flew from Philadelphia to uh, to Dallas Fort Worth Airport, and okay. the flight got canceled. So I stayed. For like one hour in the flea bag motel that they put you up in, How right? Pleasant. I didn't sleep. I laid there and scratched literally for like two hours. <laughs> I might have dozed off for like ten minutes. No lie. I get up and and, and I take off and then went from Dallas to Cle- to Chicago and then from Chicago to Sioux Falls. So you were planning to preach from, on Sunday morning. I was definitely planning to. You preach. were you were ready to go. In fact, in fact, I was in a shuttle bus on my way to the rental car agency. From the Dallas-Fort Worth airport, I was going to rent a car and drive the 12 hours up to Sioux City, back home to preach the next morning. I, I was going to be the hero. If anybody wants to know how tightly Jeff protects his pulpit, I mean, that story. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to be the hero. So so pastors, pastors out there, men and women. Don't do that. Who are listening to me. Here's what I did. I'm on the shuttle bus and I'm thinking... This is crazy, but this is kind of an adventure. I want to do this, but I better call my wife. My wife might want to have some input into this decision. Yeah. I called her. She said, that's crazy. You're not driving 12 hours all night just to get back to church. Johnny can take care of it. The world's not going to come to an end. People have their flights canceled. Just stay overnight, get a good night's rest. Two hours scratching in the flea bag motel. Yeah. Get, get a good night's rest <laughs> and then come up the next day. So that's what I did. I came well, up that, the next day. Driving twelve hours would have been insane. Yeah, yeah but I could have. I could have. I could have drove into town. You'd have had the story. Preached the best message of my life. Wow. And been the hero. And also the most humblest pastor in Don't town. Don't worry, Jeff. I preached the best message yeah, of I your life for that. you. Thank you very much. <laughs> so Johnny sends me a few texts. Yeah. Jeff, we crushed it this, is after this morning. The fact, yeah. We crushed it this morning. It was a great morning. The music was on point. Mm-hmm. We we honored the graduates. It was just and when you know what I this is what I said. When when the spirit is in the house, man, you just get you just get in with what's going on and it's gonna be good. Funny it's not how when any it's work your turn to speak, the well, spirit shows up. I'm thankful that he did. Right? I think <laughs> I, I don't know. Obviously he wasn't with me because he would not have wanted to stay in the flea bag motel. It's all right, okay. We're we they took a vote. We had a business meeting right after church. <laughs> we took a vote, and they want to keep you on, okay? It was tighter than I'd like to say it was, but you're still with us. Yeah, but how come the associate part on your nameplate on your door is scratched out, <laughs> and it just says Pastor Johnny Craig? Well, they thought maybe we'd do co-pastors. Now. Yeah, you yeah, know what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> I see how it is. Like I said, I'm not leaving ever unless you leave with me. No more no more pastor's <laughs> retreats for Jeff. No more. So seriously, in all seriousness, I had a wonderful time yes. with these guys. It was me and 15 other guys. Four of them I was in college with decades ago. Rob. Rob, who's been a my best guest friend. on the podcast. Yep. And yeah. uh, a guy named Reggie. Reggie, I tell you what, Reggie rules. Reggie was so good to see Reggie. I haven't seen him in like 30 years. Well, good. The guy's really quiet, but when he opens his mouth, gold nuggets drop to the floor. I love people like that. I'm so the opposite of that that I, I love it a lot. And you know what, Jeff? There was no vote. That's a joke. And 
and we, we don't we didn't scratch out the associate. It was a great Sunday, but everybody's happy to have you back, Jeff. We're we're glad you're with us. Yeah, yeah. He's just trying to keep his spot here on the podcast because <laughs> he knows I could pull the mic out from underneath. You can, and you know, you, uh, transition time. This is gonna be smooth. You know who you could get to to take that spot? Our next guest, Carl Vader. Carl Vader's Carl. The shark, Vader's. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do the sound effect. No, it's already there, man. There it is. Can you hear it? I can. Well, I will when I listen to this Car- after. Carl. Carl is talking about small church. Small church is the next big thing, uh, with one condition. With one condition. So listen up. We're gonna get to that condition, but this is a great conversation we have with Carl today, and we know that this is gonna be a blessing to you. Carl Vader's. We want to welcome you back onto the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Hey, good to be here. Hey, we are we are going to tackle the blog post that you wrote called Small Churches Are the Next Big Thing with One Condition. So what do you mean by one condition? Yeah, the one condition is the thing that makes all the difference. And the condition is this. People want intimacy in in church. They want relationships. If they're going to get out of bed on Sunday morning, it's not going to be for a great relig- Sunday morning religious show. They've got, we got all the entertainment we need. If they're coming out, they're coming out for relationships. But here's the deal. They won't give up quality in order to gain that intimacy and in order to have those relationships. They're going to insist on quality. That's the condition. So we can be small. But we have yep. to maintain high quality. Do we have to have mega church quality? Oh well, of course. What other? What <laughs> else would it possibly mean? <laughs> that and and therein is the challenge for the small church pastor, because we've been taught or we've misheard that quality only means one particular thing, and it doesn't. Quality at a mega church level means one thing. Quality at a small church level means a different thing, and it's not that it means less quality. It's not lowering the bar. It means it's the difference between the quality of a Costco and the quality of a Starbucks. It's one is quality and quantity and massive amounts of things. And another one has quality on a smaller level in a different type of setting where I sit around and I have a conversation. Uh, You know, I've never once gone to Costco to have a nice intimate conversation with anybody. That's Uh, that's probably for the best. (laughs) Exactly. That's not part of the quality that Costco offers. Uh, But part of the quality that Starbucks offers is the smallness, is the intimacy, is the opportunity to sit around for a couple hours and have a conversation over a cup of coffee. And so small churches can add a quality, a a level of quality of a different type than the quality that a big church is offering. Yeah, I tell you, as I read through this blog, Carl, I thought, man, did you do some interviewing with some millennials? Because you, I think, are hitting a lot of really really true marks um i feel like the resident expert today this never happens ever you are the I expert i am the expert at something yeah i have to bow out of this millennial <laughs> conversation johnny you need to take over here take charge carl let's uh let's talk about yeah, this. The millennials don't do that jeff oh they don't take oh no no this millennial takes oh, charge I see, I see what's happening here <laughs> okay then they don't do it well no oh, okay. well oh, oh, oh of course here we go oh i agree with that carl 100 oh, here man. we go okay. you demand you demand <laughs> no but you say some things in here that i think that first of all this quality point this is mm-hmm. so 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 true um and yeah it doesn't have to be mega but your church can't be uh your ch- you can't just play everything loose and and you know, off the cuff 
and uh, you have you know have some stuff laying around and haven't cleaned in a couple months, millennials are going to notice these types of things. But beyond that, just like you know, just regular quality, you also talk about you know we want. Uh, I'm saying we. I speak now for the millennial generation. We want real world Bible teaching, genuine relationships, practical ministry opportunities. Um, the clean, safe child care, and then finally, almost kind of like humorously, but truthfully, competent <laughs> musicians uh, on the worship team. That's so, so accurate. The practicality of that list. Um, you didn't just say Bible teaching, right? It's real world Bible teaching. Yeah. It's great. I can go hear a, a sermon on uh, Amos anywhere, but I want to know how Amos applies to my life, right? Where's the practicality? How can I be involved practically? do something practically. All of that stuff is so important to the millennials. Yeah. And, and as I also mentioned in the piece, what the millennials are looking for in quality and you were, you said it tongue in cheek earlier. And so let me say it with a straight face. Uh, I, I hate the idea that we're speaking for or speaking to or acting as though one entire generation of people talks, acts, thinks in the same way and wants the same thing. We all recognize that's not the case. <laughs> right. So, listening to this thinking that's not me we get it we get it you're independent let's just move on okay uh however (laughs) there 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 is a shift from the boomer generation to the millennial generation that isn't just the same as other previous generational shifts it's not just kids hate what their parents hate what, what their parents love that's not what's going on here because of a whole bunch of things from electronics to the internet to the changing economy to the size of the population, yada, 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 we're undergoing a societal shift that is different than any other shift that's ever happened before and a pace of change that has never occurred in the world before. Yeah. So millennials just are with a different world than any previous generation has dealt with before. And they're coming off of, in, in North America and Western culture, they're coming off now as the third generation removed uh, for most of them, for a lot of them, from stable, traditional marriage relationships. Or there's a lot of millennials now who, for the first time in American history, for instance, don't even have a grandmother who was praying for them or a great-grandmother who was praying for them. That just never existed in American society before. There was always somebody in the family who had a connection with the church and who loved Jesus. But millennials aren't that aren't there anymore. So their disconnect is much more profound. And if they're going to come to church, they want something. One, they want the relationships that their family maybe hasn't brought to them that they're trying to find with their friends. And as you said earlier, it's got to apply back to the real world. The fact that it was a perfectly one after another point Bible study. Well, they can get that online. They don't need to get out of their bed for that. Boy, that you, you hit that right on the head there, Carl. You, you know, you also wrote in here. They won't be drawn to the kinds of churches their parents built, um, yeah. And the, their parents built these churches for a reason because of the churches they grew up in. You know, they wanted to they wanted to expand the musical choices and the musical involvement. And in order to do that, they wanted to do it well. And in order to do it well, it came it, it ultimately came off to their adult children as as plastic as canned as a performance when all yeah. they were trying to do was to do something really well. And and you wrote that they won't want a big Sunday morning stage show as much as they'll want genuine intimacy and relationships. And and that really is true. And and the parents of the millennials, the boomers, and, and even ones older than that, the intimacy, 
that belongs in the bedroom with <laughs> with their spouse. You uh-huh. know, you you don't do intimacy outside of the bedroom. Certainly not outside of your home. Um, yeah, in, in, very re, true. You know, relationships are uh, relationships are formed when you put a ring on your third finger and you form this this lifelong relationship and then when you do things and have these little people around you and your relationships with them but beyond that you know you don't want to get you don't want to get real touchy feely relationally with people yeah. i i, I had, a, had an amazing experience happen with exactly that a few years ago I had a lady in the church call me because a friend of hers who was in her 90s was dying and she didn't know if her friend in her 90s had a relationship with Jesus because she just wouldn't talk religion with anybody. So she came to me and she said, I think it's just generational. She's just been raised that you don't talk about religion with your friends because it's divisive. You don't talk politics and religion. Since you're a minister, could you go in? Maybe she'll open up to you. Sure enough, I'd never met the woman before, but I went in and I was introduced as the pastor. And immediately when her friend left the room, she started talking spiritual things. And in three minutes, it was really obvious that this woman had a real relationship with Jesus. She loved the Lord. She was looking forward to meeting him uh, in a matter of hours or days because she literally was on her deathbed. And I was able to walk out and talk to her friend and say, she loves Jesus. She's ready to go. And she will never admit that to you because it's a generational thing for her. That is uh, that is a, 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 a boundary of manners that she was taught never to cross with people. Absolutely. But, and, but millennials uh, will talk about anything, anytime, anywhere. Well, they're, they're uncomfortably open about <laughs> the most intimate of details in their lives. Right, Johnny? <laughs> Are you referring to our conversation earlier? W- well, we, <laughs> we can never have those kinds of conversations with microphones in front of us. No, no. As intimate as I would like to be, not, not on the podcast. Um. <laughs> yeah, we really need to move along from this one, guys. I don't know what... I have no idea. Just just as a disclaimer, I was not in on whatever that earlier conversation was. <laughs> as clueless as everybody else. That's, uh, You'd have been sorry. bored by it, Carl. Yeah, don't, definitely, don't worry. Definitely bored by it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Carl, as I read this, again, I really I think that you are you're hitting the right notes here. Um, you say, I see a hunger. Uh, I see a growing hunger for healthy high-quality, innovative small churches to meet the needs of upcoming generations. Let me let me break here for a second. I want to talk about the concern that I have for the church, okay? And we've talked mm-hmm. about this before on the podcast, uh, maybe with you, maybe just in general. Um, a lot of people church plant. Church planting is, is a great, great thing to do, um, and we need new churches. But I worry that sometimes we church plant instead of um, trying to um, revive churches that maybe are on the way out. And I read this, that we have a growing hunger for healthy, high-quality, innovative small churches. And I, and I worry that we're having a hard time right now in, in the American church where the old generation is like entrenched and does not want to make space for the type of worship that millennials are looking for. Sure, we can we can all come together and be friendly on a Sunday morning. 200 churches are great at that. Sure, we can have, you know, real small groups, you know, relationships. 200 churches are great at that. But some of this other stuff, adding maybe liturgical elements, maybe changing the worship style, maybe changing the preaching style, mm, that's just a bridge too far for a lot of the previous generations. And I worry that uh, that we're not reaching millennials the way we could and should be as 200 churches for that reason. But part of, part of what we also need to realize is 
Um, just because it isn't working in one setting doesn't mean that it's not working in another setting down the street or across the country. Um, we have to realize the body of Christ is way bigger than my local congregation. And so maybe I've got a congregation where there is a struggle and bringing the new generation in is difficult. Maybe there are some places where it's just supposed to be a place where, uh, in fact, I've got a, a couple of good friends who are pastors in areas where there are just a lot of seniors and a lot of retired people. And their calling is to bless and be a minister to those folks uh, even though there are you know, a lot of younger ones around, they go to other churches. So in some places it'll happen like that. Where you guys are, are where it's a much smaller um, population, you're going to have probably a much more uh, cross-generational church than some of the churches in our area, although we've been blessed with a really strongly cross-generational church as well. Um, but I do believe there are going to be certain places where uh, the, the older generation is going to have to look at it and say, um, okay, what matters more here? that they're doing it my way or that they're going to worship Jesus in their way. And let's cheer them on. As long as they're worshiping Jesus, I'm just going to have to overlook the style issues uh, and I'm going to support them on the substance. Yeah. Because, you know, if the generations just separate, you know, and you've got churches of older people and churches of younger people, it neither gets to enjoy the benefit that they could receive from the other. And, you know, it, Talking about this, um, it, it brings to mind how I've approached 200 churches from the beginning, and and that is I haven't approached it with Johnny that you know I'm the I'm the mentor I'm the sage I'm the one that's going to teach him and you know he doesn't have any good ideas he just needs to learn from the master sit at your feet yeah indeed yes sit yes. at my well you can still sit at my feet but you you, you can have an opinion <laughs> at my feet right but you know. I, what I'm trying to communicate is that the millennial generation, in their own right, have great ideas, have great leadership, have have new thoughts and new programs and new approaches, and they, in their own right, are, are strong and capable leaders, and the leadership really needs to be shared between the generations. And, and when I was Johnny's age, I've told him that the pastors that I was with, they I would listen to them, and they would tell me. They would instruct me. They would mentor me. They would teach me how it was done. And there was really no no up coaching. I really didn't have much to tell them, and they communicated that to me. Uh, I was there to learn from them. They were not there to learn from me. And yeah. I, I think that uh, the current generation of millennials and boomers have have and are and should turn that around and have yeah. partnerships and not just mentorships. And in fact, uh, I think up until about a generation or so, that method of teaching wasn't necessarily wrong. I think dialogue is always better than monologue. But up till about two generations ago, the pace of change in society was so slow that you could sit and with somebody who was, you know, your grandfather's generation and just download what they had to say, and virtually everything would still apply. That just isn't the case anymore. That's I true. Can't, I can't teach from my experience. To a younger person today, because half to three quarters of my experience doesn't apply anymore. What we need is this wonderful dialogue where the younger generation brings in their ability to adapt and where the older generation brings in their wisdom and their experience. And if each will listen to that 
from the other. If the younger generation will realize they've got a world of experience they can add for me, and if the older generation can realize, hey, they can show me how to how to, how to, how to act a little lighter on my feet and adapt to things a little more easily because they find change very easily and I do not. And if we can put those two things together, experience with the ability to readily adapt, man, that's a powerful combination. Uh, I agree, absolutely. And going back to now i think we strayed just a little bit from the sub from the subject of your blog post here but going back to this uh, what i hear you calling for is uh is a time again when small churches are are back in style in other words churches that are respected for their quality and for their health and the size maybe can become irrelevant so uh, you know, small church pastors, large church pastors can can work together, can talk together without there being this looking down or this looking up from one to another, but that together they're pastoring churches in the kingdom of God, and the size becomes less relevant. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the hope. <laughs> I, I think when I wrote the piece, I may have even used words like expect or I think or it's coming. Um I was probably feeling really optimistic that day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, with Carl, but but Carl, we're, we're changing it. We're going to change it together. There we go. I think so. Yeah, I, and yeah, I, I agree. Uh, and, but on most days, I hope that's the case. I, I do believe it will get better. But the idea that all of a sudden everything, you know, small churches are going to be the hot next thing and everybody's going to want to go to a small church. Well, no, I think there's always going to be a place for mega churches, for big churches, for house churches. Uh, but I do believe there's going to be coming a, an op- a more open acceptance to the the smaller church, the neighborhood size church, the 75 to 150 to 200 size church, um, where everybody knows everybody, where we and yet we can be large enough, bigger than a house church, so that we've got a facility that can be used for various things, where we've got programs for the kids and so on, but it's still done in a much more uh, relational basis rather than on a methodological basis. Yeah, yeah, I hear that, and I think, man, wouldn't it be great to meet a pastor sometime and have the first question out of my mouth be, hey, what has your church been accomplishing in the community lately? As opposed to, so yeah. how big is your church? Because <laughs> I feel yeah. like I slip in. I, I slip into that so easily, and instead to say, hey, how are you impacting the next generation for Christ? Wow, that's a yeah. different question. Yeah. Well, I, I've I found most people, at least around uh, where where I've been the last few years, that we don't directly ask how big is your church. We ask, so how's your church doing? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you well, go. that's now, code. We know, <laughs> that's code. We know what? Yeah, we that we know what that's code for. <laughs> but I just I refuse I, I refuse to hear the code. I just say, oh, we're doing this ministry, we're doing that ministry. I just don't give them numbers, and I can tell sometimes on the other end there's this like frustration of they can't even hear the good things because they're waiting for the number and the number's not coming and i can't just ask for the number directly what do i do now (laughs) it's so rude to ask directly it's like asking a woman what her age is right yeah what that the previous generation used to have a problem with that jeff but i don't think the millennials do (laughs) johnny i'm not asking any woman what her age is (laughs) you better believe that yeah, I, th- I think some things have stayed the same. Too. <laughs> for the best, for the best, yeah, it's for the best. So. You don't ask how old a woman is, and you don't ask when the babies do. These are just, everybody oh. knows you don't do it. What a way to end the podcast for the month of May! 
When is the baby due? (laughs) What a way to end it. So small churches, the next big thing with one condition, that that, that they retain quality, and quality is summed up in church health. Why don't you wrap it up for us, Carl? And church health is summed up in relationships. You know, the, the church doesn't have a product to sell or a service to provide like a restaurant does or like a store does. But if we were to use that terminology of what's the service we provide or what's the product we sell, again, I don't like the phraseology, but if we were to use it, we do have a service to provide and a product to sell, and that is relationship. Relationship with Jesus and a relationship with each other. And small churches can do that extraordinarily well. We don't necessarily do it better than bigger churches, but we will do it differently than bigger churches. We'll be a place where you can know virtually everybody in the room. And so to go to a small church where people are going specifically because they want relationship and not provide that relationship, that is, that's a problem. But when a small church does say we are going to be intentional about providing quality relationships, we're going to introduce you to this extraordinary Savior named Jesus. And I'm also going to introduce you to Jim and Justin and Amber and Sarah over here as well. And we're all going to get to know each other too. Small churches can do that extraordinarily well. And when we do, we can really help change people's lives. Amen. And let it be so. Thank you so much, Carl, for joining us. And uh, we'll see you next month. You got it, guys. So Johnny, quality equals health and health equals relationships. And you were just talking just before we recorded about that college student who sent us a letter. And what was it she said? Something about when she came, she didn't have to come with friends or something like that? Yeah. For the first for the first three years she was in college, she started coming to our, our church her senior year, which is sad when people do that. But Terrible. Uh, we, we're okay with it. But she, she said she never wanted to go to church without her friends. She never felt comfortable going anywhere without her friends. Right. Because she needed them, you know. But she said she could come to our church without friends. It didn't matter because she knew people would be friendly. She felt like she knew people at our church, that there would be this welcoming environment. Relationships, right? That we had relationships with each other and we were willing to embrace new people into those relationships. That was so important to her. And we talked about millennials here with with Carl. And, you know, that's the whole idea. Can small churches be the next big thing? with this new generation of churchgoers who's coming up? And my answer is absolutely yes, it can be. And I think that our college students are living examples of this. Jeff, do we have the flashiest church in town? Well, pretty pretty much when I'm not there, it's not that flashy. As, <laughs> as people would have seen yesterday um, or Sunday. No, you know, we don't have the flashiest church in no. town. But one of the things that you did this year, Johnny, is you had us do those Sunday dinners for college yeah, students. Yes. So literally every Sunday that the college was in session, they could come Sunday nights at 5.30, and one of our small groups would have prepared a meal yeah. to serve to like 80, col- 80 to 100 college yes. students. And they would just show up. They would sit down. We would talk to them. We would interact with them. Uh, the small group would, would sit down and talk with them as they served and as we all ate together. And those week, week after week after week, those weeks – allowed relationships to be built yeah student to student but then more importantly i think student to church member yes or you know normal person in the community because that's what they were really looking for they were leaving campus to get off campus but also to build relationships with people in our church so these students i mean these are 
this is the very end of the millennial generation, right? Um, the students that we were serving mm-hmm. this year, the students who came, the next generation that's coming up and graduating high school this year, they're not millennials, so it's kind of the cutoff. And they came to our church despite it not being the most contemporary, despite it not being the flashiest. They came because we're a healthy church and we're an inviting church and a welcoming church. And sure, a lot of times they might not have known that one weird hymn that we sang, but it didn't really matter because everybody around them would talk to them and say good morning and make them feel welcome. And they knew they could come and that we loved them enough to make them a meal. And those things just make such a difference. And small churches can do that. You know, just this Sunday, I was talking to my wife. It was graduation Sunday. We had some college students that we honored uh, at the potluck after church. And I said to her, this is a small church benefit. You can't do that in a big church right, no. where every college student gets to that's graduating gets to get up and say something and tell their favorite memory of their time at Dover. Like you don't you don't get to do that. Yeah. And so what a cool thing uh, that we got to do. And Carl, I mean, this is what he's all about is the benefits of a small church, and that is one of them that you can love people well, you can build real relationships. And let me tell you, as a millennial, I can promise you that is what millennials are looking for beyond everything else. When they come into your church, beyond your music, beyond your flashiness, whatever, they're looking for relationships. And Carl said that was it. Carl said that, you know, small church can be the next big thing on one condition, that it is a quality church, that that there's a quality experience, that it's high quality, that it's not boomer quality, but that it's relational significance and relational quality. And that's so hugely You know, I was spending time with a guy at this retreat who uh, trains people in the military and for diplomatic negotiating and things like that. And when we were just talking in conversation, he kept going back to how important it is for leaders to develop relationships. Long story short, he and I ended up getting in in my buddy's Ford Expedition and recording a podcast episode. But it goes back to, again, relationships, how important relationships are really in every sphere of human interaction, yeah. relationships are important. I uh, I can't wait to hear that, but Jeff, I, I feel a little hurt that you recorded a podcast without me under saying that it's so great. Oh, uh, we talked about you, Johnny. Don't oh, worry about oh it. Oh, boy. Can't wait to oh, hear Oh, don't this. worry. You had an honorable, maybe dishonorable mention. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I couldn't let the you know let it go without mentioning you or bringing you up and maybe throwing you under the bus a couple times. Well, that's that's what you do best. So yeah, that's all right. Yeah, you haven't heard it yet. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't. No, that's, it's all that's going to be funny. It's going to be new for me too. Well, we got to bring this to an end. Thank you for listening, and thank you for hey, thank you for leaving uh, a rating and a review, Scott Tuttle. Uh, out in California. Scott, you have got a great church out there in California. I have been on Google Earth. I have stalked the we church. We creeped on you, Scott. Yeah, we from creeped. the atmosphere. It is a, it's just a beautiful area yeah. and a beautiful building. And I saw a video of things going on inside the church. Looks like a great place. Who else? Toby Teague. Toby Teague. Thank to- you for the review. We don't know where you're from, but no, it sounds no, no, like no. a big city. Leslie, Michigan. You are such a creep. I, I, I'm a stalker, man. <laughs> Toby, hey, hey, I tweeted out an Toby, article. Toby, we're coming to your house next week, so I get tweeted ready. out an article that Toby wrote today about oh. his church, about its 175th anniversary of the Furbat Chew of oh, Leslie, Chew. Michigan. That's yeah. fantastic. Well, First Toby, Baptist thank church. you. And then whoever this Pastor Rob in Philadelphia guy is... What a loser, man. Yeah, come on, Rob. Get with it. He doesn't even remember the the names of the hosts on on, on the program. 
be better for anybody listening. This is Jeff's friend, Rob. <laughs> I don't want anybody to think we're disparaging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, yeah. we're dissing those who Rob. leave us. Uh, no. <laughs> Rob, Rob and I just spent five days yeah. together. We had a great time. Yeah. We just had a great time. So thank you, yes. all of you who have left ratings and reviews. Yes, yes. And thank you for listening to the 200 Churches Podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and challenged by this episode of the 200 Churches Podcast. We'll be back next Wednesday to provide you with more ministry encouragement as you pastor your 200 church. Until then, may God bless you as you lead and love your people.